You're listening to Inside Real Estate, your source for all things mortgage and real estate related. The show that brings you all the hottest topics and insights directly from those who know it most. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Sit back, enjoy the show. What up? My name is Paul Apostolakis. We've got Salvatore Cusmano, Bradley Weisgerber. We are the trio of Inside Real Estate. For those of you listening, thank you. For finding us, if this is your first time, welcome. If it is not, uh, welcome back. Please like, subscribe, and share the podcast. Uh, you can find us at Facebook forward slash IRE podcast, irepodcast.com, or you can go to any podcast app uh, and find us there and listen to us on your drive or whatever it may be. Uh, You're pretty good at that intro. Uh, yeah. You got it down pat. We've done it, what, 160 times or something like no, that? No, you haven't done that 160 times. You've, you've no. changed that up a little bit. You've, I have. It's more recent. You that never is used to more plug anything at the re- at the beginning. No, I'd be like, "Hey guys, what's up?" I didn't know what I was doing. We were doing a podcast for the first time. I didn't know. Right, you get it down. It's good. I appreciate that, man. I do. Nope. Um, so today we have a we, we have an interesting show. We we all the shows that we've done. I don't know necessarily that we've had a conversation about title or people on the West Coast. What you might consider escrow. Uh, that's what they call it out there because they just do things differently. But. Uh, so today I wanted to bring in Amy and Heather. Uh, they are owner operators of Epic title. Uh, they are going to talk to us about just title in general and kind of learn probably some stuff that we didn't know about title because we don't really deal with it that much. Uh, it's just kind of in the background, uh, when you do a mortgage transaction. So without further ado, Amy and Heather, welcome to the show. Why are you laughing, Brad? I was going to say, speak for yourself. Maybe you don't know much about title, but I don't know <laughs> shit about title. I don't know anything. Yeah. I don't know anything about title, but uh, so I'll be like the newbie here. If you guys have like comments on it, uh, you guys go ahead and talk about it. But uh, Amy and Heather, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. How you doing, guys? All right. So why don't you start by telling the audience what title is and why it's necessary or escrow? Okay. Yeah, for sure. So definitely what title I'll say, I'll start actually with what title is not. We know that title is not like a sexy thing, right? Like it's nothing. Nobody really cares about title until you have to care about title. When there's something right. wrong, that's usually when you care about title. Um, right. But you have to have title on every real estate transaction just to make sure that that house you're purchasing is free and clear of any liens, that you're not going to have any issues down the road when you try to go sell it. Um, so that's basically, we just eat, sleep, and breathe it every day. Um, we search and just make sure that everything is all good. And, um, we also close it. Yeah. Yeah. You do the closing, uh, in in states that, uh, like our state in Michigan, the the title company does the closing. It doesn't have to be done by a a lawyer or anything like that. Correct. Right. It's not an attorney state. Right. It's not, but some states you've got to have an actual attorney do the title work. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. So talk to me about, uh, so title is, is basically you're clearing the title to make sure there's no liens on it. What happens if there's a lien on title that nobody knew about, or, or, or I guess that's where you kind of come in, right? Oh yeah. So we, you'd be surprised by how many people don't realize they have an old mortgage showing on their title, or you know maybe a tax lien from a prior owner. It happens all the time. Um, we we work with everybody to try to get that cleared up. We help the seller get any title issues cleared up because truly it's the seller's responsibility to provide the buyer with a clean title. Um, But we do this every day. So we know who to reach out to. We have good contacts. We can help them. You know, we work with the lenders to get mortgages discharged that may have been paid off, but not discharged. Um, That's what we do. So I'm I'm buying a house. Oh, go ahead, Brad. You know what baffles me is 
how often shit like that comes up like yeah. where a mortgage was never discharged or there's an old mechanics lien or, or a, a million different things where, where title's not clear and nobody knows until it's like time to do something about it. It, it, it baffles me that that happens because as a borrower, you're paying your mortgage, you're paying your mortgage with the aspirations of paying it off, right? And then you finally pay it off and you're like, yes, but then you don't realize they never like did anything with your, your title work and released the lien from your house. So you paid it off, but they still have interest in it. It's, it's a whole mess and it's, it's pretty yeah. baffling. We actually to, uh, use a service that goes over and above that we go after that discharge and make sure it's recorded. So that's one nice. thing that, yeah, we offer. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's interesting because you don't look at your title every day of the, of the property, right? Nobody I mean, looks at the title. Just so everyone understands, the only time that you're really doing title work is either when you're buying, uh, selling, or refinancing the house. Am I right on that? Yes. Correct. Right. So that'd be the only time that you'd actually get a look at your title. And even then, I don't think many people take the time to read the title work that they get. They just assume that it's, it's in a foreign language. It's foreign. It's mm -hmm. very foreign. Yeah. It's a very foreign language, right? So I'm buying a house, right? Am I paying for the title work or is the seller paying for the title work? If you're going to get a mortgage, you're going to pay for the loan policy, which covers okay. your lender. And okay. then the seller is going to pay to cover you as the buyer for the owner's okay. policy. Uh, so for the owner's policy. Now, are those both necessary in a transaction? Do you have to have those to, to do a transaction? The loan, the loan policy is a, you have to get it. Absolutely. Per the lender. Um, you don't have to get an owner's policy, but you're, you want to get a loan, uh, owner's policy. So talk to me about that. Cause I've, I've had actually people in the transaction say, I don't need owner's policy. I'm not paying for that. I'm not doing it. I don't, I don't need it. Uh, why would a borrower ever say that they don't need, because basically, I mean, what is that owner's title policy doing for the, for the, for the buyer? Honestly, that's their Bible. And they're not paying for it. You know, the seller's paying for it on their behalf. So I think that buyers sometimes they just don't know. They're not educated about it. Um, if the seller's willing to pay for an owner's policy, they should always, always, always get one because if they have that policy and something pops up, it, say they go to sell the property in five years and there was a lien on title that never got taken care of. If they have that policy, they can send that over to the title company that's handling, you know, the sale of the home. And that policy will nine times out of 10 clear up the issue for them. So you don't have to wait and go through this whole process. They can see, hey, you got an owner's policy. And then, you know, a claim usually gets filed on the back end. But right away for them, that issue's cleared up and they don't have to worry. It doesn't delay them selling the property. Sal, so, do you ever see sellers not wanting to pay the owner's title policy? Yeah, in, in FISLOs, you know, when, when someone's like doing a for sale by owner and buying their buddy's house or something, they're like, uh. I don't really want to pay that, you know right. what I mean? And and I always recommend to the buyer, you know, that they should just because again, right? Like I don't, I don't know your seller and how well do you know them? Right. I mean, yeah. some things you're buying like your parents' house, maybe. Right. But like, even then you just never know. I mean, something could pop up before they bought the house, depending on how long ago it was. So it's always good. I think to have uh, insurance and as we know, insurance isn't cheap, but it sure is nice when you have it. It's only a one-time you know. fee, which is a bonus. It's not something that's a reoccurring <laughs> fee. And you guys would be amazed at how much could pop up on a chain of title. Like a HELOC loan yeah. that's not paid off and closed off that the seller realizes it's not closed off. And they start drawing on it and it's tied to the property. A forged yeah. deed. But wouldn't that come up if we did the, the other policy? Um, so you do find that, um, but you're not... 
the loan policy doesn't protect the buyer whatsoever. The loan policy actually protects the lender. It protects their first lien position. It gives them the right to foreclose. The owner's policy, which is the policy that protects the buyer, that's what really covers all of the liens and everything that were on title. Um, so the loan policy is strictly for the lender to give them first lien position to protect their right to foreclose. So even though we would find that in a title search, um, you, we're still not going to cover that on a loan policy. And if you're paying cash for a property, then you don't have to get a loan policy. So most times when the seller's not willing to pay, it's when they're buying it, like Sal said, from you know their friend down the road and yeah. they're paying cash for it. They're not getting a mortgage. So it's just really in their best interest to at least get oh. that policy, that owner's policy. And if everyone works with the same title company, it's discounted, right? So if it's a full deal with one title company involved. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, discounted the owner's title insurance, right? Yep. Yep. And the rates are actually across the board um, with the state of Michigan. They're mandated. So in Michigan, the policy should just be paid based off of the purchase price and the loan amount. Um, so even regardless of what title company you choose, they're usually going to be around the same amount. So they're all like a standard amount? Yes. Yeah. The so title so premium rates are standard. The settlement fees vary yeah. a little bit here yeah. to there. But but it, yeah. It's pretty funny, right? Like uh, a lot of times, because as a lender, we disclose that in shoppable services, right? Because technically at the end of the day, it's the it's the buyer's choice, whoever they want to work with. But right. again, that's like, it's so like obscure, you know, like to a so buyer, they know they got to get a loan. They know they have to, you know, purchase homeowner's insurance. They don't understand most of the time. And, you know, we try to educate them as to when we're going through like a loan estimate or a closing disclosure, here's what this is for. Here's why, you know, you're getting it, you're paying it, the seller's paying it, whatever. Right. But like, they're like, so I can shop this out. I'm like, yeah, you can yeah go for it but yeah you, should, you right. know unless you have like a friend in the title business that you really know like you're gonna save maybe 50 to 100 bucks on the settlement fee maybe for sure you know yeah. and the reason we're working with this title company isn't necessarily me but your agent typically has a good relationship and rapport with with these these agents right uh or yeah. this, this title company so We've all worked together before. We all know that this is going to get done. And I think that's, again, it's like, you know, you could get a 2.75 from me, you could get it from Quicken Loans, right? But like, yeah. who's all worked together before and who knows that, you know, because above and beyond getting the insurance policy, I think that people don't realize how much communication, um, kind of against Paul's point earlier, that, that the loan company actually does have with the title company you know, processors and whatnot, trying to clear title, trying to get items over to you guys so that we can get a clear commitment and get our clear to close because we need yeah. you guys, right? Absolutely. And when there's two title companies involved, that obviously, you know, there's more parties that have to communicate and work to get things cleared. And sometimes, you know, say we're handling a loan policy and other- I wish they wouldn't do that. I, <laughs> so do we. Yeah, we, we love a full deal. Um, honestly, they're not as bad as they were when they first started doing split closings because we've built great relationships with other split title companies. Um, I love working. There's certain times where I see another title company on the other side and I'm excited to work with them because they're great. Um, it used to be very kind of like petty and people would nickel and dime and they wouldn't share information. But 
now it's really evolved. We know we're all working towards that same goal. Everybody wants to get to closing, so information is shared. Um, it's not as bad, but I know for, you know, from the lender standpoint, that's probably hard for you guys because you might be asking for something and your title company has to reach out to the other title company to get it because maybe it's seller signing authority and we're not handling the seller side. So that's the absolute worst. Yeah. <laughs> so can you explain that? Can you, Brad, why don't you explain that? Since it's, it's the worst when we need like one thing for a clear close or to schedule closing, we reach out to our title who was handling our, our lender's policy that we've been working with, right? Because uh, as a lender, we don't really work with the seller with the seller's title company at all, right? We we reach out no. to our title, so we reach out to our title and we say, "Hey, we need this one last thing." And they're like, "Oh shit! Well, all right, we got to. It's a split closing, so we got to reach out to the other title company. We'll get back to you." And then it's like four days later because the other title company doesn't respond or it gets lost or whatever, and it's it's a nightmare. I, yeah. I hate well, split closings. Both both title and mind you, it's. 90% or more of purchase transactions, right? Because Our splits. Mm -hmm. yeah. The way it is, right? Sellers Hoping here in Michigan. In Michigan yeah, here in Michigan for Sellers sure. Almost all of them. has yeah. their, you know, I mean, unless, you know, um, the two agents happen to work on the same team or something like that, where they all, you know, use the same title company, which again is nice because we know one company is doing all the prorations, the seller fees, everything, right? And then, uh, both sides are obviously clear on title, right? Because that's another thing, like for example, condos, right? You have to have HOA status letter and it's always like everyone, you know, the fire's under everyone, realtors, appraiser, insurance, lender, everyone gets their side done. And then it's like, oh, we don't have clear title. We don't have the HOA status letter. We don't have a payoff. It's like just a lot of cooks in the kitchen doing everything and it, it seems like last minute you know um things pop up and that's out of our control right so yeah. it's it's nice to have familiar sides on every end but at the end of the day like we all got to do what we got to do right i mean i don't think that's changing anytime soon so yeah definitely split closings are not going away that's for sure i think it's just about <clears throat> making those relationships like i said um and you know, being excited to work with them and then building that rapport. And honestly, it makes the process go a lot smoother. That's kind of like my specialty. <laughs> so I just really try to find that person at the other title company, make friends with them because I know it's going to make everybody's life easier throughout the whole process. Can you guys give us an example of like a situation where title became an issue and you couldn't close a deal? Like why, why, like why would that happen in or, or multiple situations, but give us like one or two examples of why, you know, title could stop a deal from actually closing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, actually very recently I had to talk to an agent. They, um, we were on the buy side of a deal. There were two title companies involved. They were supposed to close this Friday. And we just found out yesterday that the seller side wasn't clear to close because they thought the property was vested in a trust. Turns out there was no deed ever done and the two people that were in title, they're deceased now. So unfortunately, if there was a deed that was done and it was just not recorded, it would have been an easier fix. We could have collected that deed, recorded it before the warranty deed. But in this case, that never happened. And you can't deed out from a dead person, unfortunately. <laughs> so um, that, wow. right, that property now has to go through probate. So they found out, you know, two days before the, they're closing. The worst word you can hear is a title yeah, company. Probate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, probate. Yes. Or probate. Yeah. Anyone, right? Like, because think about it, right? Like, 
yeah, you know, my parents died or whatever, right? And um, in their will or whatever, right? They said they give me the house, but they didn't do anything, right? They didn't necessarily set it up that way. And now, like you said, I mean, legally, before that property can change hands and clear title, it has to go to probate, which is right. like what, 21 days or something like that? that the property it's about three weeks we like to yeah. extend it out to. Yeah. Typically two and, to three weeks, depending on the county. Some counties yeah. are faster than others. And probate, essentially, from my understanding, is just that in those three weeks, right, if someone thinks they have claim to that property, they can make a claim and, you know, then it has to go to court, essentially, and see if that's valid or not. So right. that three weeks is if everything goes according to plan and no one else claims claims stake of that property. But let's say you got some one disgruntled kid from that, that you know, that family who says, you know, Fuck it, I'm I'm going after this property now. Now we're talking maybe never selling that property. Yeah, it could really put a wrench in the deal. It's another sure. reason to get title insurance as well. If you have that one disgruntled son that shows up seven years later and says, "Hey, that was my dad that owned that property." That's title insurance. That'll cover it. It'll pay him out, you know, and get that covered for you. So, so that, I think that's part of title that people don't understand. You're insuring your title work, right? right. Is what you're, you're insuring that you own that house. Nobody else has a stake in it but you and potentially your lender that you got a you got a loan from. But that's what the insurance says. So nobody can come after the fact and say, "I that's actually my house. I own that. I own that." Right. right. They sucks can't do that. Sucks as a borrower or a buyer if you refied three or four times in the past two years and paid yeah. you know <laughs> the lender's title premium multiple times. But what's the lender to know that you didn't get the windows done and have a lien because you're right. you know so. With all the advancements in technology, it seems like title is still very archaic. Am I, mm -hmm. am I right or wrong on that? I mean, you're right, especially in, so in the state of Michigan, we have all of these kind of up north municipalities that they haven't really gotten with the times and put everything online. So yeah, there, it can be. Um, if you kind title of say companies the aren't archaic. What's it's that? Municipal, I said title companies aren't archaic, it's municipalities. It's kind of like on our end trying to get something from the IRS. Yes. Like, yeah. We've got yeah. all the e-sign and documents and everything that we can do to request whatever we need. It's just a black hole when you're calling up and, you know, Sheboygan trying to find a deed that was recorded 50 years ago. Exactly. There are certain areas to where they actually have to go to the plant to get the deeds and you can't get them electronically. So that's the archaic part of it. I would say. What do you do in those situations? You just have to send someone out? You send somebody to the plant. Yeah, to uh, get the information. Wow. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, to your point, Sal, it's not the actual. Like, you guys aren't archaic. You guys are, are working with archaic uh, municipalities, probably some other systems, maybe some other companies. Uh, how do you guys set yourselves apart in title? Right. If it sounds like if one title company is doing one thing, they're all kind of doing the same thing. How do you set yourself apart? So I think our yeah our service obviously it's second to none. Um, but really. Uh, another thing is we're not afraid to say no in this industry you know it's it's pretty dog eat dog there's a lot of competition and um so it kind of makes everybody want to say yes i can do that and you know kind of over promise and under deliver we will not do that that is something that we know if we over promise and under deliver that doesn't just hurt us you know that hurts our employees that hurts the clients that hurts our lenders and our agents so it's like a domino, you know, a domino effect. And we're not afraid to say, listen, we want your business, but if you're coming at us with, you know, I want to send you 200 orders this month, great. 
we can't do that right now. How, let's project and we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation about who we need to add, where we need to add them, um, really get a flow for their business and a feel for it. And, um, you know, we want to capture their business in the future for sure, but we're just not afraid to say no at that point in time and let them know it's just not the right time because we don't want their service to suffer either. Yeah, Sal, I mean, we've seen it on the loan side. I mean, having a bad experience on the title side can actually screw up a whole deal. Well, I think this is just a business rule in general, right? Like for the most part, like a lot of people in the title business or have been in it a long time are probably pretty knowledgeable, you know, probably can do a good job balancing a CD or getting you what you need, right? Um, but a lot of companies just bite off more like chew and, you know, after time after time, it just gets a little worse or slower. So I think to, to your point, having a plan, right, and being able to anticipate the volume and hire for it and cover the amount of orders or the overflow or whatever it is, is really the biggest thing. I mean, there's a lot of title companies out there that a lot of people work with, and I don't really understand why because they're just always so busy i mean maybe they're maybe they're great in responding to their agents but it's like man clients are getting numbers like last second every time you know yeah, yeah. Like, there's i think just like anything else right like why use one real estate agent over another it costs the same to the client you know what i mean yeah but yeah. how do you set yourself apart and i think it's just knowledge and and the ability to respond quickly and, and effectively and i think that that's what most people look for when they work with the title company, right? Like as yeah. a lender with our refis and whatnot, we got to trust that we know that this is going to get done. They've got a good notary network or whatever it is. Like it's just a lot of trust. I think that things don't go wrong. And when something is going wrong, when someone admits it or says, you know, Hey, we're, we're just too busy. That's, that's okay. Right. But at least get back to us. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So what, like what, well, go ahead, Heather. Just capacity, knowing your Maybe capacity and what your people can do, I think is really important that Heather and I have been focusing on that for the past two months, really understanding how much they can handle, what's going to burn them out. That's, I think that's really important. How can title affect a closing, uh, both positively and poorly? Like, I mean, because I know that we've had situations where we're waiting on numbers and things aren't clear. And it doesn't seem like we can get people in contact with people. They're gone at five o'clock. That's the experience that I've had where I'm trying to get numbers late at night and we can't get them. How do you guys remedy that? So um, for us, obviously, it's really important for our employees to have quality of life. But this is we have some dedicated people. I mean, they pretty much stay on top of their emails all the time, even when they're not here. But I always try to tell people, like, let me be your contact after hours, because I know that, unfortunately, the industry that we're in, it doesn't operate from nine to five. It's literally a 24-hour industry. So I always tell people, you know, give me a call. It's not anything for me to jump on and balance a CD in 10 minutes, um, even if it's nine o'clock at night. So well, I think those are the ones that go above and beyond, right? And that's kind of like in our business, like how we set ourselves apart to a degree, like, Hey, your bank isn't going to call you after five. You even got this dude's cell phone. Like you text me on a Sunday and we'll get it done. Right? Like yep. those are the differences. Always have somebody available. Yep. Could you give me an example of a really challenging title search that you guys had to encounter? So we actually just, um, I don't know if we've closed on it yet. We, right now we're working on a golf course and 
the search just itself, it's a, a whole lot of parcels of land. There were um, things that were done incorrectly in the chain of title. And sometimes things are done incorrectly and it's not caught the next time it's sold. So it just keeps being incorrect throughout the chain of title. Well, we caught an I issue that was an error and we ended up having to fix it and remedy it. Uh, we had to go get a whole new survey done. Um, it was definitely a really challenging one. Lots of attorneys involved, you know, on commercial deals, there always are. Um, That's the funny thing about title is it's not an exact science. Like people miss shit all the time and it gets passed along for years. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you, you end up getting it and you're like, you have to fix it at that point when yeah. you, when you discover it, right? Could you just not just do the same thing and just close it without doing that? Well, if we would have, then, you know, if they came back to file a claim, that would have been our fault. So, um, you know, yeah, we have our underwriter, but you're in jeopardy. So what most people don't know is the title company, um, we're writing the policy on our underwriter, right? So we work with Fidelity. Um, our underwriter could drop us if we got too many claims and especially high claims. So, you know, properties that are over $2 million, if you get a claim, that's going to be a big claim. Mm -hmm. um, and so when, so, the, when we get a claim, the underwriter pays it. If it's not agent error, the underwriter pays that claim. So yeah. we, we pay percentage of our premium to the underwriter for them to cover it. So if we just go ahead and close it, then that's agency error and we'll have to pay for it. Got it. What are some of the largest claims that you've seen? Uh, I mean, I've seen some pretty big ones. We had one at a prior company that I worked with that was... 175,000 and it was agency error and the title company had to pay for it. Wow. And I mean, that's not a ton of money, but in the big scheme of things, if you're a brand new title company, it could take you out. yeah, the $175,000 claim could, could just end it for you. Yeah. That's a lot like us guys, like buybacks and, and, and getting <laughs> scratch and dent. Like we're also sending our loans to underwriters that underwrite and insure the file. And if we make a mistake, it's ultimately on, on us if it's on our line. So it's, it's an interesting business. So uh, what do you see changing in title? I mean, I, it's kind of been the same thing, but I mean, is anything going to change in title to like make it faster and more streamlined? Like I know people are talking about um, blockchain helping out, whatever it may be, but like in your world, seriously, Brad, why are you laughing? It's, this is funny to me. I mean, I don't, it's not happening anytime soon. Think how just archaic like, these municipalities are still today, and we're talking about blockchain helping title. It's never going to fucking happen. No, <laughs> I don't see it's, us going anywhere just, anytime soon. No. Not anytime soon. Because no. of because why? Why is it that title is so, is so crucial? Well, I mean, unfortunately, we are at the mercy of so many different things here. We're at the mercy of lenders that haven't recorded discharge. We're at the mercy of municipalities that maybe aren't completely up to date or they're so far behind or they shut down, you know, when COVID hit. That threw our whole industry into this big, huge spiral and things were really far behind in certain counties. Um, and it was really hard to even get anybody on the phone. And even to this day, there's so many after effects from that. So many people working from home in municipalities. It's hard to get a hold of the people that we need to talk to just to get taxes in some counties. Yeah. Um, but I think that one thing that is happening in title that I, is super progressive is the systems are just getting better and better. And with the systems getting better, it's getting better for the clients too because they're creating systems now where you can just log in and view all of your transactions all at once. So you don't even have to pick up the phone and call somebody. You can just look and see where you're at um, as opposed to, you know, 
having to say, okay, I'm going to call you. Can we go over all 20 of my deals that I have in the pipeline with you? They can just look, click on it, see what's needed, see where they're at. And so it's know. an app. Yeah. Basically like a pizza tracker. Yeah. It's like a pizza cool. tracker. I like pizza yeah. trackers. That's good. Um, how did you guys get into title? Like what? I mean, who wakes up and says, "I want to do title for the rest of my life"? Nobody ever. You know what I mean? We actually both went to school for psychology. Yeah. Oddly oh, enough. that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. No psychoanalysis yeah. on the show because we're all fucked up. <laughs> so uh, I did real estate going to school and then just kind of fell into it. Yeah. Yeah. How about I, you? I started out uh, in the mortgage industry, so I worked for City Mortgage for gosh seven and a half years, and then the big huge. Uh, recession happened and they laid off our whole department, you know? So, um, but I started in mortgages. I got my real estate license. I did property management and then I just went into title. It was just a connection I had. Your connections will take you everywhere in life. That is one yeah. thing that is for sure. Um, got into title and I've just never left. It sucks you in. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> it sucks you in kind of like mortgages. So the whole real estate industry kind of sucks you in yeah. because yeah. it's, uh, it's funny how, uh, as far as a business model, how many clients do you guys have? How many title orders are you guys doing on a monthly basis? How long does it take to get these title orders done for the, on average? Uh, you know, fr from that standpoint, what are you guys doing? So, yeah, we actually, we are almost a year old now. Yeah. Um, and we are now doing like 250 orders a month. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Um, we've built up our staff quite a bit over the year. And we've grown it a lot sooner than we anticipated, which is great. Um, sure. But we have the staff and we have the people for it. Um, and it, our turnaround time is pretty good. So it's typically one to three days that you oh, get your commitment back. Yeah, unless you're we're working with those municipalities that are, you know, the up north ones that take a week or two. Unfortunately, we do have some of those, but we really communicate with people when that happens. So you're, you're going to know if, hey, this one, we have to actually send somebody to the plant to search. We're going to tell you that we have some yeah. pretty great examiners in house. Yeah, they do a good job. Yeah, and Brad, I, I know you know how to read title. I don't know how to read title. What? Why is it Most so hard? Don't. Why Most is it so hard? It's it's a foreign language. You have to know what you're looking at and know what it means, and it's not really ever explained to anybody. When I was an underwriter, half of the underwriters around me didn't know how to read title, and their job was to read and clear title, like. <laughs> And they don't know what they're looking at. Right. Uh, it's it's not an easy thing to learn unless someone can really explain it well to you. It, it's, there's a lot of different things that can pop up on it. Is it, guys? Is there something that someone should be looking for? Like, let's say someone wants to read their title policy, right? Is there stuff or sections or a place or something that they should be looking for, just specifically? Requirements. Yeah, the requirements and exceptions. I mean, honestly. I actually do a class a lot with all of our different agents that we have, and it's literally how to read a commitment. So I take them through Schedule A, Schedule B, Schedule B2. Um, but your exceptions, as a lender, you're going to want to look at the exceptions. You're going to want to see if we're taking exception to anything on the policy. And that means if we're taking exception to it, that means it's not covered in the policy. So if exceptions there's a are mortgage not that we just can't clear and then we throw it on the exception, that's not going to work for you guys, you know? What kind of exceptions do people get? You do see people taking exception to a mortgage here and there, like if they're purchasing a property on a land contract and they know that there's a mortgage on the property, they're okay with the seller paying that mortgage off, you'll see a mortgage on the exceptions. Um, but usually it's going to be, you know, things that are 
uh, municipal exceptions, um, things of that nature, or recorded easements, stuff like that. Um, the only time that you really want to worry is if it's like somebody's interest is on there or there's liens showing on the exception or mortgages showing on the exception. You just want to be sure that those things are not being taken exception to, to have a truly good, clear title. Right. Yeah, if you don't know how to read title and the title company just sends you a commitment and there's, you know, somebody has a property interest and they're putting it in the exceptions, it means they're not going to cover if that person comes and tries to claim that property, they're not going to cover you. And yep. if you accept it and close a loan, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. And if they, if, so exceptions are a big deal. And then requirements are just what's required to, to get it close. Uh, to, to get it clear to close, yeah. Yeah, Natalia, they're exceptions, not exceptions. <laughs> uh, it's, it's okay. So even Natalia's even getting uh, confused, right? So uh, it, it, it is not a sexy part of the transaction for sure. No. Like it's the most sexless part of the trip. <laughs> it really is. It's 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 the nerdy side of the business. It right? is. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, what do you suggest a consumer does if if there are exceptions or if can can someone get like a second opinion on title? Like can, can they go with the title company and then like say forget it? I'm going to go with another company if they're not getting what they want. But I don't know if that's even a thing. It happens all the time, actually. So um, there's plenty of times where. It depends on your underwriter. So as a title company, sometimes you have more than one underwriter that you write your policy on and different underwriters, you know, will work with you for different things better. Um, for example, Fidelity, maybe they don't do construction loans um, or it's, it's more of a process and you have to do a whole sworn statements and waivers and nobody likes seeing that. Um, but First American, they might be a little more lenient. You might not have to get sworn statements and waivers, and it's a less of a process for all parties involved. So there are times where we see like this title company couldn't do it. We know that you guys probably can. Can you take a look at this and see if you can do this for us instead? Oh, interesting. So it's, it's that's interesting. So you can move things around and try to get things done. Yes. Yeah. You just want to make sure that you're clearing that with your lender before you do it. You never just want to switch title companies <clears throat> on your lender without letting them know because they might have to go and get that you know, new title company approved and that could really throw a wrench in the process. Yeah, that's the other the other side of title that um, is a big deal because as a lender, so title handles clearing the title, right? But they also handle all the closing stuff. And as a lender, we're sending the title company hundreds of thousands of dollars to close a loan because title does all the paperwork for closing, but they all disperse, they also disperse all the funds. So they're going to pay off your mortgage if it's a refi. They're going to pay the agents. They're going to pay the taxes. They're going to disperse money out to the homeowner's insurance. So the lender actually wires them the money for closing every dollar and penny that's needed to disperse all that money. So we want to make sure we know the title company and that we can clear them and approve them and that they're trustworthy and they're not, they're not going to take our $400,000 wire and just run with it and never be seen again. For sure. So don't just change title companies without talking to somebody about it. Yeah. I mean, there's a, and there's a lot of scams out there. I mean, that's why we call it escrow out West. Cause I mean, you guys are basically an escrow company. You're going to hold all that money and then disperse it. But there's a lot of like scams out there where people are getting scammed and sending their money to the wrong wire. And all of a sudden their money's in Zimbabwe. How do you guys protect people against that? Yeah, we will never, ever, ever email our wire instructions to an agent or a buyer or a seller. Um, we send them to the lender, but it's usually on a secured platform. So, but we make sure that the lender knows they cannot forward those wire instructions. So we will 
call your client to confirm them with them, but you know, it's just a risk that we're not willing to take because that's how you get hacked. They that's hack where it happens yeah. is the emails. Yeah. They look e at the transaction right. from afar. Yep. And they find out what's going on and when it's going to close. And then they'll send the buyer an email that looks like it was from the title company stating, uh, change escrow accounts, send it to this escrow account instead. And then the buyer often, you know, sometimes does it and then the money's gone. And there's no way to get it back. Yeah. yeah, sometimes they can. It's hard though. I've gotten it, back one before, yeah. um, but after 48 hours, it's gone. It's yeah. over. It's gone. gone. And yeah. it takes a while. And it, it's tough know, to get it back. If you're doing a cash deal and you've wired your funds to the wrong place and, you know, maybe you're disputing it and you can get it back in a month, that still puts you behind a month. And it's just there. devastating for the buyer. It's just devastating. Can yeah. you imagine? wiring a hundred thousand dollars to the wrong place how you feel like oh when you find out Absolutely. oh my god I mean, i'd fucking throw up and it happens all the time i guess it like with, with all that being said with all the technology and all the issues there do you see checks which seemed you know antiquated a while ago becoming more secure and something that people will rely on more like a cashier's check I mean, I, I, some title companies will go up to, you know, 100, 200,000, no limit, but a lot of them are cut off at, you know, 15, 20 grand. So mm -hmm. buying a house is putting more than minimum down. Like, yeah, you got a wire, but I just see so much more risk. It's like, to me, like I hate sending wires, right? I like going and getting a check and that's that, you know? So as a title company, you still have to worry about that cashier's <laughs> check not being valid either because yeah. people make fraudulent cashier's checks as well. So that's why we do limit the cashier's checks. No doubt. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't know, I guess like from a mortgage perspective, like a buyer, like the fact that they've gone through underwriting and gotten that far, not that that's wouldn't happen. Right. But I feel like that's, there's probably less risk in that happening than someone getting their email hacked and sending a wire to Zimbabwe or whatever. Right. Like okay. I, but I guess it is what it is. So I is your question, Sal, do you see title companies allowing more uh, checks being, or cashier's checks being allowed even on bigger value sizes? Well, maybe not necessarily that, but you know, some other methods of payment, you know, um, some other way to, to pay. I know a lot of title companies. Cash app, crypto. crypto. Cash app. <laughs> you imagine sitting um, out a closing and cash apping the title agent. You know, the you money, just make a money. blockchain Crazy. system for Venmo for US dollars. There's actually an application that we're, we're, we're starting to use. It's for EMDs, but they also offer, they're getting ready to offer um, buyer funds. It's, it's just an application, like a banking application that's connected to our bank that the buyer can send the funds through the application. So it's gonna start changing, I can see, probably yeah. in the next couple of years. So, cause something, I mean, there's a big issue there, right? If, if there's a big gap in security there where people could potentially get screwed out a whole bunch of money that for sure someone is going to come in and create an app to yep. fix that, right? And yeah. the hackers are getting smarter, so you got to fix it. Those hackers, those hackers. Mm -hmm. Why don't they allow uh, ACHs? Is it just the transaction fee or something like the that? The ACHs? Yeah, like I noticed a lot of, like I've had clients accidentally, you know, they thought they were sending a wire. It's because an ACH wire doesn't go through directly through the Fed. So the banks hold all of the ACH transactions until the end of the day. And with an ACH transaction, the buyer has 60 days to pull that money back. So it's not actually a direct wire um, hands off. So Got it. no title companies take ACHs unless, I mean, I guess some do, but right. they shouldn't. Yeah. They got limits though. 
typically. Yeah, they have yeah. limits for what the ACH um, is going to be. Yeah, they'll, they'll have to be something because, you know, that's always one thing, like, get all the way there. I mean, how sick would you feel if, you know, you sent out wire instructions or something and the client, you know, rips 35 grand to another country? Like, for sure. <laughs> <It's> awesome. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be terrible. So yeah, it I just feel like, like, and I, like, we know an agent who bought an investment property cash and he, he was an agent. He was an agent. Yeah. 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 He was an agent he and he sent 10 G's or 15 K, whatever it was. And it was gone. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I yeah. feel like, uh, that would be probably the first, you know, what a, a good improvement to the industry is figuring out a better way to get these funds to the table. For sure. You got to change with the times. That's yeah. one thing that we kind of pride ourselves on. Um, like Amy said, that app that she was talking about the application, um, we've already started getting that onboarded. Um, so in the future, we hope to be, you know, right on the leading edge of that when it actually starts changing so that we're there and people feel comfortable sending it that way. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a big deal. We, we tell every one of our borrowers when, when we send them final numbers that you need to verify these wire instructions before you send anything. You need to Google this title company so you get the number from a third-party website Call them, tell them you want to verify the wiring instructions, and make sure you can verify every number before you send anything. Because yeah. it's it's really crazy how good these like spoof emails can be with people sending out fake wiring instructions. It's, yeah, I mean, even with that, I mean, I think you know, on our end, we probably need to reevaluate even sending any wiring instructions. Yeah, the title company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a wire. Wire, please call them to. Or to even if you send them and and you leave out some numbers on the the account number or the ABA so they have to call and verify with the title company. Right. There's ways to get creative to where you have you make them call. Yeah. 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 Um big gap there in security for sure. All right, so let's let's I mean, do th even, uh, oh, I mean, just I mean if you think about the level of fraud, like they could just yeah, call a title company, they you know, edit the PDF or whatever and throw their phone number on it, verify their account numbers. I mean it's like it's crazy. It is crazy. We really recommend that you do not send our way. Yeah, we probably or any title company. <laughs> I mean, call the title company. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's bet. good. All right. Let's do three questions and get you guys out of here. I know you guys are busy. People probably want to get at you guys for one reason or another. So first question I'll go first is uh, what scares you guys? <laughs> you go first. Okay. So <laughs> honestly, I'm going to answer this in two ways because I have like a personal one and a professional one. My sure. professional yeah. one is letting people down. Like I am, I like, I'm a caretaker by nature in my personal life, but also in my professional life, I will go above and beyond. And like, I think it's just this thing in me, right? Like you either have that or you don't, I don't want to let anybody down. So um, but then on a personal level, my son eating peanuts, because I am that mom, he's allergic to peanuts. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> like, I right. literally have nightmares about it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The whole peanut allergy thing is weird to me because it, I didn't like, they didn't really have that when I was growing up, but right. kids, kids kind of are now allergic to peanut, peanuts. It's, it's so weird. scary. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. And, he has and everything has peanuts in it, by the way, just so everybody knows everything has peanuts in it. It doesn't mean just cause it's not peanut butter. It doesn't mean peanut everything oil. has oil, yeah. uh, bread. I mean, everything has peanut. Yeah. It's, weird. it's a scary thing. What about you, Amy? What scares you? I would probably have to say the unknown. Like as far as business goes, just not knowing what's going yeah. on. Um, for personal wise, probably my 12 year old daughter. <laughs> There's a shit out of you. Yeah, yes. I could see that. Absolutely. I could totally see that. Uh, guys, do you have a question or should I just go? 
Go for it. All Go right. For it. Uh, if you guys could be one animal in the animal kingdom, what would it be and why? I'm going to say a bird. I think it would just be great, like how free it would feel to be able to fly wherever I wanted to be and to just overlook everything. What kind of bird, though? Like, like a hawk? Any, any like, bird? Like, a like, like an eagle, right? An eagle, all right. A robin. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> A pigeon. No pigeons. They're like rats. No. Right. right. No, an eagle, you know. Something all right. Majestic. Something majestic. Right. A majestic bird. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Amy? I would say I like water, so I would say probably a dolphin. Dolphin. They like to swim and they're sweet. And they're, they're smart. I mean, they're kind of sweet. Yeah, they're smart. I actually met a dolphin and the trainer told them to make some noises and was kind of working with them. And they made it sound like a motorcycle <laughs> and a baby crying. It was nuts. It was so cool. There's a there's a documentary on a guy who fell in love with a dolphin. That's a whole. It was. I remember that documentary. It was. I mean, it was in love. Yep. Is love. that in your recently watched? No, it's not. My recently watched. No. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question. Yeah. If you dolphin under your bed or something. <laughs> 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 Um, next question would be, um, if you guys could live in one era other than our own, either the 80s, 70s, 60s, what would it be and why? So it's funny because I've thought about this a lot even when I was a little girl. I would have lived in the 1950s because I would have been a pretty kick-ass housewife back then. Like I was yeah. a caretaker. <laughs> all right. And I would have been baking and cooking all day. I would have had the cleanest house. And you got to wear like really cute clothes. So Yeah. You thought and you, they were, to, and you get to drink at like two o'clock in the afternoon because you're right. expected to be tipsy when your husband came and, home and your husband is going to be upset if the food's not on the table and you're going to yeah. get beat. No, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the, dark part. Part. the dark side of it, right? Yeah, there's definitely a dark side of that. I'm living in Pleasant, though. So yeah, yeah, I got you. That never happens there. No, no, no drinking problems. Uh, Amy, what about you? I would say probably, oh, probably like the 1920s. The like 20s, the roaring, I roaring I 20s. Be a gangster, she is pretty gangster. So. All right. All right. I would do like the 70s just because it was fun but back then. It was free love, all that stuff. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would Woodstock. do. Yeah. Woodstock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, all right, guys. Tell the audience how they can get a hold of you if they need to. Um, if you want to place an order with us, you can actually email orders at epictitlemi.com. Or you can call our direct line, 810-498-4015. Awesome, our guys. Website, yep. Our yep. website. What's the website? EpicTitleMI.com. There we go. Thank you guys for doing the show. Thanks for yeah, having thank us. Thank you. All right. Good luck. Enjoy your title work. <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Yeah, titles, you know, titles hard to make sexy. <clears throat> like, it's like just so boring, title is. It's not really boring. Uh, it's very detailed. Detailed, yeah, yeah, detailed. I implore it takes, certain, it takes a certain kind of person to find title exciting or interesting. Correct, yeah, yeah. Anything oh, like you guys mortgage. have? I mean, our mortgage is very exciting. No, I mean, no. It can be. It's, it's just something that, for, for the most part, you know, you're interacting with the client, so it's more forward-facing as far as, like, that was easy, that was hard, that was whatever, right? right? Like, with title, we don't know how hard it is for It's in the background. Even, yeah, we just know. Do you get it or do you not? Right. Are you ready to balance this CD? You know, so it's all so in the background almost. Who you knows? For us. I mean, I I have no idea how much work goes into that. You know, it sounds like a lot more than I uh, anticipated, but you know, yeah. it is what it is. 
Yeah. All right, boys. That is the end of our show. Thank you all for listening. If you've listened to the show this far, thank you. Please share, like, subscribe our, our, our show. Go to Facebook forward slash IRE podcast to see this live. You can go to YouTube. Uh, you can catch us on any podcast app or you can go to IREpodcast.com and drop us a note there. Uh, other than that, we will be back next week with another episode. We will see you later. Peace out. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Inside Real Estate, the nation's top real estate podcast. Don't forget to follow us at irepodcast.com and everywhere where podcasts are available. <laughs>